if you're trying to go from wherever you're at to really awesome cups of coffee, I would generally recommend get a nice uh, a nice gram scale, get a nice grinder, get a good French press, and find a bag of whole bean coffee that you enjoy. And you're probably into that probably about $250. And you can now make coffee that's on par with pretty much any local uh, coffee establishment. Welcome to Work is Good, a CSM podcast. My name is Landon Buto, and I host the show with my dad, Chris Buto, the owner and president at CSM. Today's conversation is with Philip Meach, the owner and founder at Cafe Luso, and it's the first of a series about coffee. And Philip's just going to walk us through some basic questions around coffee to help us understand it better uh, in this series. And uh, these episodes will drop on a bi-weekly basis. And uh, we're really excited to learn more about coffee with Philip. And today's conversation specifically is about the basic recipe for doing coffee right at home. How much time and money do you need to put into, into your operation to get to the level where you know you're doing it right, you know you're doing it well, but you're also not going overboard. So I hope you enjoy today's conversation. Well, thanks for having me uh, back. Uh, the first, last episode was a whole lot of fun, and I really enjoy this because I just like talking about coffee more than almost anything. <laughs> um, so getting into some of the technicals here, people might have some questions about what are some essentials for brewing at home if you're maybe going from starting from zero or you maybe just want to upgrade some of the different components you need. So we have this background framework. If you look in our logo, in our crest, you'll see four M's, the letter M, on a banner. And that is not something we came up with, but we're hoping to repopularize the thought of it. Each one of those M's stands for one of the critical pillars of a good coffee. And this is sort of old Italian doctrine and dogma. It's been you know for decades. And so each of those four M's stands for an Italian word. The first one is la macchina, or the machine. The second one is macinatura, or the grinder mill. The third one is miscela, which is your blend, your coffee, your recipe, if it's a single origin, light roast, dark roast, whatever it is. And the last one is mano, which is sort of the hand that prepares and mm. orchestrates everything. So those are, those are our guideposts. And within each category, there's like uh, settings. So under La Machina for the machine, there would be things like water temperature, water purity, the pressure, the volume. Right. That's what Yeah, it's not just the machine itself. It's all the proper settings. Um, sure. Because the, the way you approach a great coffee program is you're, you're looking for an orchestra and each, each instrument in each section has to do its part and it has to be coordinated so that there is order and composure to it. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. So uh, the the machine does that is that just any what, whatever you're brewing, you know, whatever your your tools are. Yeah, great question. So the four M's are usually thought of in an espresso context, but really it's any coffee brewing methodology because there's always some okay, kind yeah. of a, a machine. There's that could be a French press, that could be a drip coffee brewer, that could be right. A, AeroPress that could be a Chemex, um, and it could certainly be an espresso machine. So yeah, right. Okay, makes sense. Okay, so yeah, I, I think a, a really helpful takeaway that I personally want to take away is okay. Those are those are kind of the four the four elements that I have to be mindful of. Um, 
how much as a you know just a make it at home coffee guy um with enough interest to interview a guy on a podcast but um not much expertise not much knowledge what how much time and money should i be putting into each element what does that look like practically um to do it well at home i would say if you're kind of starting out of the gate or or resetting your home copy program maybe getting back to basics or something you can get into a great setup for somewhere around 250 maybe 300 dollars and com- uh, within that that's talking about the basic elements like a really nice french press so you're going to be around probably 30 dollars for that uh, so french really press nice- seems like it seems like all French, like more than the other brewing methods, it just seems like that would be all, they're all the same. Is there a variation in the quality within, in terms of the, the actual production quality? I don't think there's a ton of variation as long as you have a good quality glass. I, I don't know if I would recommend metallic ones because if sure. you see the insulated presses and if you leave that in there for a long period of time, uh, you're going to kind of get some extra extraction. You might pick up metallic flavors. Sometimes we joke around here that we like to call these the French press and pour, not the French press and store, <laughs> because you you want to close out your extraction and get that poured into the cups or into a thermos, sure. a glass insulated thermos of some sort. But outside of that, I don't think there's a great deal of variation other than build quality or aesthetic, but not functional to how well is it going to uh, perform the extraction. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So basic basic if you want if you want to just do coffee basically well a a french press is a good good direction to go it's a great starting place they're very historical they're they're sort of timeless and classic we like them because they are elegant and simple and they offer a tremendous degree of control of the actual brewing cycle okay so how much you know decent uh, decent bottoms what like 30 30 bucks for I'd say the range is probably 20 to 40 unless okay. you get into the really custom stuff but yeah yeah okay um and then what about the beans what yeah, am i spending on those find a, a good local roaster that's got some nice fresh coffee where you can get to know their roasting their house style and let your palate explore the world of coffee right now in the u.s really nice 12 ounce bags of specialty coffee that are well curated well roasted packed and sent to you fresh are going to be somewhere in the 15 to 25 dollar range per bag or uh, what's a standard bag size what is 12 ounces probably the most common uh, that you would see especially grocery store Um, so we're not talking about like what might be two pound three pound bags you might see at costco or ground coffee in a can that's on a bottom shelf somewhere in a store. But if you're talking about small batch roasted, high premium coffee, 12 yeah. ounces the main size, and you're probably at your grocery store gonna see 15 to 20. And if you're going direct to a roaster, you might see a little bit higher cause they might not put their most limited offerings on a grocery store shelf. Yeah. So if you have, um, uh, yeah, I guess before getting to, and I was gonna ask about like freshness cause you know, we get Costco bags and we keep them in your in your Lusso vacuum uh, yeah. container, which is great. 
but I'm sure that doesn't fully solve the problem. So I was going to ask about freshness, but before we get there, what, you know, what are you, aside from getting from a local, you know, regular, regular coffee roaster, um, as opposed to, you know, grocery, grocery store, bottom shelf or Costco, um, what are, what are basic things that, that you're looking for to be aware of? Well, you probably, as you get to know a purveyor, especially if you're buying directly from a roaster, you have access to more information about where the coffee is from. And it might be a particular estate. It might be a processing method. Um, you might find out more about how it was roasted and how it was designed to be brewed, which is sort of an important aspect when you look at when we get into talking about recipes and ratios. Um, we, we don't really recommend per se that you treat all coffees the same, although that's not a bad place to start. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, when you say don't treat all coffee the same, I immediately think of your, your videos that I'll see on Instagram that get into it. It just seems like I'm so far from even being able to track with, um, with all the nuances. So what is a basic don't treat all coffees the same to start with? What what are some basic distinctions to be aware of? To keep it simple, um, if you look at roast spectrum from light to medium to dark, there is a phenomenon about the solubility coefficient of coffee as you roast darker. In other words, uh, you might say it's easier to extract from darker roasts. That doesn't mean you're going to like that flavor profile. That's an individual taste and preference thing. Sure. But we um, we brew and encourage people to brew by brew ratio, which is the amount of coffee to amount of water. And the, the greatest way to control that is to have a little scale, like um, a gram scale. Some people already have them in their homes because they uh, are passionate bakers and you weigh things. You don't put flour into a one cup measurement. You need to know what the gram throw is. Yeah. So um, I'm holding one of those up in my hand right now, in fact, that we sell and that you can get online and, and uh, from major retailers and you might find those for 50 to $60. You can use them okay. for lots of different things. And if that's, that'll give you your gram weight of coffee. So we weigh the coffee. We also weigh the water. So in a French mm. press, we might take a French press and put 50 grams of coffee in there, uh, zero or tear the scale. And then if we're doing a 16 to one brew ratio, and we have 50 grams of coffee, then 16 you know, divided by 50 would be 800. Mm. Um, so 50, 50 grams of coffee by weight, 800 grams of water, and 50 times 16, which is that ratio, gives you the 800. Okay. When you get, in, when you get into darker roasts, you might find that you prefer, uh, instead of a 1 to 16 ratio, you might find that you like a one to 18 ratio or a one to 20 ratio. If you get into really, really light roasts where you're tasting a lot of sort of candied citrus zest and lime and pomegranate and grapefruit and these sort of characteristics, you might be down to a one to 15, one to 14 ratio. Okay. So the darker the roast on average, broad brushstroke, usually you can go with a, a bigger ratio. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That's helpful. That makes sense. I, I think I just need to bite the bullet. Well, it's not much of a bullet, but I, I've known that weighing is a more precise, precise uh, measuring than my little 
coffee scoop. Um, but because, you know, you get a lot of variation day to day with that. Sure. Uh, well, I did, you know, six scoops yesterday, six scoops today, but it tasted much better yesterday kind of thing. Yeah, right. There's a lot of that um, inconsistency at home. People trying to figure out what's going on, why that is. And once you have your methodology down, scoops can work out just fine. The trick is if you're reading nomenclature online and you're thinking about your scoop and your cup, people used to come in and say, okay, how many scoops of this uh, coffee I do I use in my brewer, in my 10 cup brewer? <laughs> well, I don't know how big your scoop is. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if it's seven grams or 10 grams or 12 grams. I don't know when you say 10 cup, is that an eight ounce cup? So that's sort of like US volumetric, but internationally right. a cup is closer to five ounces. In Denmark, oh, okay. it's four. In Italy, it's one. And, and in parts of Europe, it's six. So it just depends how big your scoop and how many, when you say how many cups in your, your drip coffee brewer, it's really easy to weigh things and say it's this weight of coffee and this weight of water. Now I have a ratio. And then once you have that, go back to scooping because now you know how many scoops you need given your scoop size. Sure. No, that makes sense. So I do want to get to make sure we hit on all the M's, make sure we're not missing any there. Um, but I am curious now. I'm looking at my coffee maker, and I, I've se- I've recently shifted from a pour-over to just a drip um, you know, machine mm-hmm. because I've gotten lazy, and it's nice to make the coffee the night before and uh, have, it, have it set up. That way, when I wake up, it's ready to go. It's a nice feeling. Um, and I'm not, I'm, I, I could see sticking with that, but my question is I have a, a glass, um, pitcher that it drops into, which Mm -hmm. has the hot plate at the bottom. Is that just a hard stop? You would just recommend against that because it burns the coffee when it, when it comes out. Yeah. I mean, drip coffee brewers that feature a glass craft on a heater plate, I'd say they're generally probably pretty good for the brew cycle. If it sits in there and people are wondering, like, why does the first cup taste the best? And I come back in half an hour and it's mm-hmm. hot, but it doesn't taste the same. One of the things going on there is you've got quinic acid in coffee. And when you continue to force a reaction, i.e. put heat into the system, mm-hmm. that's going to break down into quinide, which is a bitter component that people are more familiar. If I said to somebody like, hey, what's quinide? They might say, I don't know. I've never heard of it. Have you ever had tonic water? Mm-hmm. Quinide is the what is used to create the, the bitterness in, in tonic water. Hmm. And that is the same thing that shows up in coffee. So um, we don't recommend Interesting. having a setup where you take the clinic acid in coffee, convert it to quinide, and then get that flavor, which is usually not desirable. Right. But that you're saying that primarily is only really impactful if it sits, like if just, just for the brew cycle, if you, because what we do is we, for the most part, we'll, we'll pour it into an insulated craft yeah. um, right away. That's what I would do, regardless of whether you're in a French press or a drip coffee or some other methodology. And if you're doing a, a batch of coffee and say you're at, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 ounces, 60 ounces or whatever it is, then a good insulated thermos is probably the way to go and preferably glass line. Some people mm. are very sensitive to metallic characteristics. Interesting. So if you put your coffee into something that's stainless steel line, 
45 minutes later, you might notice eh, it kind of has a little bit of a metallic flavor. I see. Okay. And some people are sensitive to it and some people don't care. And some people, if you're putting enough cream and sugar or whatever else in your coffee, you just might not notice it. So yeah. somewhere in there, this is all about finding what your expectations are of your coffee. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, okay. So where, where did I interrupt you? We, I mean, I've kind of gone a little bit all over the place at this point with beans and, and, uh, and tools. Um, what are the, what else do we need to know for the basic recipe? Let's talk about grinders. Um, yeah. Getting a good grinder will be one of the things that sort of changes your world of great coffee at home. Coffee, like many things exposed to oxygen, breaks down. When you get ground coffee, your surface area is probably magnified something like 10,000%. Mm, so interesting. pre-ground coffee oxidizes somewhat faster than coffee left in the whole bean form. And that's why almost everybody in the specialty coffee world is a pretty strong advocate of grinding right before you brew or the night before you brew or something besides mm. every three weeks or four weeks. Um, right, yeah. Just for, just for more enjoyable flavor. Um, there's different types of grinders. There's two broad categories in the home market. One is called a blade grinder, which we um, sometimes refer to as a weed whacker. It's usually something that kind of spins around at a high, really, <laughs> RPM, and it kind of hacks at the coffee. Yep. Um, versus a burr grinder, where you have a lot of granularity control as the coffee is sheared and flaked, and you get a cleaner exposure of the pores of the surface of the coffee. And so burr grinders are the way to go. They're way easier to control. They're much more consistent. They cost mm. a little more. You can yeah. usually pick up a blade grinder for you know, 20 bucks. And this Baratza Encore that I have on my desk right now is around 150. And for that's some people, not, that's a big that's a Not big as bad as I was expecting. Yeah, it's not horrible. You can go crazy. And we have customers that are buying two, $3,000 grinders for their house or more. And so you can go as deep as you want. But we're just talking about a really great starter kit where you have a huge gain in in quality um, yeah. and that's what i would do having said all that i so many of our customers have young kids and even if a grinder only needs to be on for 20 seconds in the morning you know at five or six a.m or something mm -hmm. that can be a realistic i get that you know as a consideration is you just don't want to bring that kind of noise that yeah. early in the morning <laughs> yeah so. yep that's fair yeah i suppose that somewhat of a simple solution is the night before but how much of a difference does that you know eight hours make i wouldn't hesitate to i would have no problem grinding coffee the night before yeah. especially for a french press or drip coffee espresso is not going to be quite as um receptive to that we really recommend espresso something you grind just before or a few minutes before you brew um, and again this is depending on your tolerance so there's all these rules in coffee, rule after right. rule after rule after yeah. rule. And we try to eliminate sort of the, not the intimidation, but the sometimes it seems not very approachable. And so our first rule is don't be ruled by the rules. Yeah, yeah, I like it. It's just a cup of coffee after all. Yeah. Uh, and it's really about your journey drinking, getting to drink coffee over and over and over again is understanding how your tastes change over time and your expectations might change over time. And that's really up to you and what you need out of your coffee. If you're happy with pods or capsules or whatever, keep doing that. Yeah. Uh, 
we're not going to talk down on those things. It's not my personal preference, but um, you need to find kind of what fits your your overall coffee expectation. Yeah, makes sense. So real quick on grinders, yeah, grinders. Um, what are your thoughts on the the hand gr- hand burr grinders? Hamburg grinders can be absolutely incredible as long as the burr is really good. Okay. So that's sort of, and and typically your old style, if you go back like a hundred years and look at the old Sassen house models, which pe- people probably think about, they have what's called a conical burr where you have a round sort of ball shaped mill that's yep. encapsulated. Yep. Um, and you slowly crank that. And those are, they tend to have slow rotation speed. So you're not generating too much heat. They uh, tend to have long cutting edges. They're very long lasting. I would be, a, I think it's a great way to go. And plus there's sort of some fun ritual to it. And they're usually mm-hmm. going to also run quieter. So yeah. yep. if you can find a great hand grinder that puts out enough coffee in, in a time period that you're satisfied with. Right. Yeah. Uh, great option. Yeah. It worked when I, I was just talking to a friend who was looking for a grinder and uh, I don't know if I gave him the right, I, I, I sent him to what I have, which is the the Bodum Burr grinder, um, which was kind of the minimum of what I could find when I was doing my research. Minimum Burr grinder, um, kind of I- ideal situation, but probably not quite there. Do you are you familiar with that? The it's like 80, 80 bucks. Something it's like been that. a while since I've looked at the. Okay. We used to sell the Bodum grinders, and it's probably yeah. a good way to go. I think um, you know. And I would take take probably any burr grinder over any blade grinder. Sure. If, if I get a choice between those two. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, I I had the hand grinder for a little bit and it worked when I was single. But you're making coffee a couple times a day for a couple people is it's much more difficult. Totally get that. Uh, yeah. And it is fun. You're right. It's there, like I did it the night before, just kind of as I was going to bed, and it was it was kind of a nice ritual. And my roommate liked it because it smelled good. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yep. Um, okay, so I'll let you wrap up. Any Anything we're missing? I know uh, we probably didn't get a thorough touch on on each aspect there. Anything you wanted to hit on there? I mean, just the, the fast summary is if you're trying to go from wherever you're at to really awesome cups of coffee, um, I would generally recommend get a nice, a, a nice gram scale, get a nice grinder, get a good French press and find a bag of whole bean coffee that you enjoy. And you're probably into that probably about $250. And you can now make coffee that's on par with pretty much any local uh, coffee establishment. That's great. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty makes it sound pretty easy there. And uh, makes me think, what am I, what am I doing settling here? So <laughs> drip coffee is also very enjoyable. Uh, I'm still a big fan. Drip coffee's not going anywhere. Uh, our high end coffee bar clients around the Seattle Puget Sound area and even nationally still brew um, batch brew. They've given it yeah. a, a cooler name than just drip um, in the last yeah. few years. But batch brew is not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's still enjoyable. Um, maybe I'll make the because it's just it, it is it is nice to walk out to to already made coffee. Um, so maybe I'll make the French press the afternoon gig. There you go. That's it's a it's idea. a little bit less work than a pour over. Pour over is more involved. Agreed. All right, Philip. Well, super helpful. 
and uh, thanks so much. We'll wrap it up there this week and looking forward to uh, another conversation in the near future. Well, sounds great. I hope you have a great day, Landon, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to Work is Good. If you enjoyed it, share it with someone else, leave a review, and listen next week.